300 million. Well, that's a lot to keep up with, isn't it? Which one do I pray to today? What need do I have today? And so we'll pray to that specific God. Aren't you thankful that we have one God who meets every need that we have? So grateful for that tonight. Romans 13 is where we're going to be. Also, I'd like for you to find your place. We're only going to be here just for a moment. Find your place in Psalm 78 as well. Psalm 78 and Romans 13. Let's do this tonight. If you're physically able, if you'll stand for the reading of God's Word, we'll begin in Psalm 78. And then we'll read in Romans 13. We'll allow the children to be dismissed to Kids Club tonight. Psalm 78. Well, let's begin there tonight. Psalm 78, verse number 5. The Bible says, For He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which He commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments." It might not be as their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright, and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. Several months ago, we preached a series of messages entitled Generational Hope. I want to come back tonight and preach another message on that subject matter, if I could. The Bible says in verse number 7 that they might set their hope In God. Romans 13, let's begin reading in verse number 11. The Bible says, And that, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision, excuse me, for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. I want to bring us a message tonight entitled, Do We Know What Time It Is? Do we know what time it is? Father, I pray that you teach us and help us tonight, remind us, convict us, stir us, whatever the need would be tonight. Father, I pray that you would meet everyone. Father, help our children. pray that you help Miss Kathy as she teaches. Use her in a wonderful way tonight. And we'll surely thank you and praise you for it. Father, help those that are away from us tonight, those that are sick, those that are working, those that have been providentially hindered tonight. Father, we pray that you'd help in a special way. Give them a blessing wherever they may be at this very moment. And we'll surely give you praise and glory for what you'll do in these next few moments. Father, we commit them to you. We ask that you'd bless and work as only you can. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. June in America and even in a number of other nations, but especially in America, June is Pride Month. President Bill Clinton officially declared it so in June of the year 2000. It is the opportunity for debased, degenerate, debauched individuals to flaunt their vile wickedness in the face of God and in the face of their fellow citizens. 
By the way, this isn't a message tonight on Pride Month, but it is a message to ask us and to consider the question, do we know what time it is? It is the time where 18 to 45-year-old voters make up the core of the voting population in America. You say, Pastor, why is that a big deal? It's a big deal because this is the generation which believes in large part that good is evil, evil is good, and everything that the Bible and the preacher preaches against is okay. A recent Barna poll revealed that only 4%, don't miss this, that only 4% of Americans hold a biblical worldview. And only 1% of 18 to 29-year-old Americans hold a biblical worldview. This age bracket, the 18 to 29-year-olds, aggressively reject biblical principles. By the way, 20% of that 1% would identify as gay, lesbian, binary, transgender, queer, etc. The vast majority of my children's generation and the generation that is coming behind them know nothing of attending Sunday school. They know nothing of giving money in an offering plate. They know nothing of singing along with a congregation. They know nothing of hearing a preacher preach. They know nothing of attending a vacation Bible school. They know nothing of being a master clubber or a patch clubber. They know nothing of touring a solid Bible-believing college. They know nothing of enjoying a church camp. And you and I owe our children's generation and their children's generation the same blood, sweat, and tears that the generation who taught and trained us shed. They invested in us, they sacrificed for us, they loved us. They denied themselves in this world so that we could know the God of the Bible and set our hope in Him. My children are part of the generation known as Generation Z. This generation is considered to be the first post-Christian generation in America. They are twice as likely to be atheist than the millennials are. They are ambitious but suffer from debilitating anxiety. They are avid gamers. They are social, but only through social media. They are consumed with perception. They are more inclined to learn from peers than predecessors. By the way, you ever wonder why many of our churches today don't want the old people? Because they don't care what they have to say. They are more inclined to learn from peers than predecessors. They have little or no church background. They decry absolute authority. The idea of finding self dwarfs any idea of faithfulness. They are self-absorbed and less family-oriented. They are casual in attitude and have no desire to make commitments to anything or anyone. They are tech-savvy and possess an ever-shrinking attention span. They can sit for hours in front of a screen, whether that would be watching or playing, yet they struggle with sitting through a 45-minute Bible message. They have trouble meditating because they are conditioned that everything is limited to 240 characters, sound bites, and scrolling. By the way, that's not by coincidence either. Thus, they have been introduced to this modern-day, tech-savvy, entertainment-driven, no-Bible-preaching church by charlatans who are trying to keep pace with the world instead of trying to stay true to the Word of God and have been left with absolutely no hope 
Because there is no hope apart from Christ and apart from His church and apart from His Word. And so I ask us the question again tonight. Do we know what time it is? And I'm not talking about the fact that it's 7.45. Do we know what time it is? Well, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter number 11 what time it is. Or at least we should know what time it is. Do you know what time it is? Because the truth is, most 21st century American Christians, as verse number 11 speaks of, are sleepy and drowsy on the tryptophan of this world. You ever get sleepy after you eat turkey on Thanksgiving Day? They say that's tryptophan. I don't know if that's true or not. But we are more engaged and more alert and more aware of the things of this world than we are of the Scriptures. When I say we, I know I'm making a broad brush statement there. I'm speaking of American Christianity as a whole. You say, our church isn't like that. I would hope not. But I would be naive to think that there aren't some folks tonight that have been put to sleep by the activities of this world when it comes to spiritual matters. I was driving the van tonight with the children and they were not singing songs, but they were doing doing the little ditties that the girls do when they clap their hands together. Any of y'all can do that? Any, any of you dads have girls and you can do the little hand slap and the little ditties that they do? And I mean, boy, they're just clicking them off like that. I mean, one after another, after another, after another. And I stopped and I said, whoa, 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 whoa. They thought they were in trouble. I was like, there should be absolutely no reason why y'all can't learn memory verses. If y'all can learn these and just boom, boom, boom. Now, by the way, they learn other things too then why can't you learn memory verses? Do we know what time it is? Let me give you three things from the passage tonight. I hope it will be a help to us. Listen, my heart is burdened about this. We preached a whole series of messages, and I honestly would love to come back and preach another whole series of messages on this because we have a generation, we have a couple of generations, maybe even three generations in our nation who have not been taught to set their hope in God. They have been taught to set their hope in money. They have been taught to set their hope in Hollywood. They have been taught to set their hope in sports. They have been taught to set their hope in politics. This isn't a political message tonight. But we would do a lot more good if we'll sit our our kids down every single night and teach them the Word of God than we'll do by going to the polling booth next November. Now I don't look, I'll go to the polling booth next booth, not booth, booth, next November, and I'll vote. 
But God help us that we're so worried about politics and we're so worried about the next person that's going to get elected and we never think for a moment about sitting our kids down and opening the Word of God and praying with them and teaching them the Word of God and correcting error. Listen, if the only thing we ever teach our children is that we lean right politically, we're in a mess. If the only thing our children learn is that we're conservative politically, we haven't taught them what we need to teach them. They need to learn the Word of God. They need to see God powerful in the lives of their mamas and their daddies so that they can set their hope in God. Do we know what time it is? Look at Romans chapter 13 with me again tonight. Romans chapter number 13. Number one tonight, it is time for us. And these are right here in the passage tonight. This is not deep. Number one tonight, it is time for us to be awake. It is time for us to be awake. Verses 11 and 12, the Bible says, And that, knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of life. Excuse me, it is time for us to be awake We decry modern day wokeness, and by the way, we should. However, they are awake and they have an agenda. And we are not and we don't. We aren't awake and we don't have an agenda. They are awake and they have an agenda. We don't agree with it and we shouldn't agree with it, but they believe it. They believe it with everything in their being. And by the way, they want your children to believe it with everything in their being. They have an agenda and they are awake. We may have an agenda, but I don't believe we're awake. I I don't believe we're, we're out there and being active the way they are. They're out there and they're in people's faces. They're out there and they're disseminating what they believe. We must be out there disseminating what we believe. Number one tonight, it is time for us to be awake. Two things here quickly. Awake in our understanding of the time. He says in verse number 11, and that knowing the time. Awake in our understanding of the time. And by the way, here's our understanding of the time. It's short. You see what he says there in verse number 11? He says, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. This is wonderful. The New Testament church, the first century church, believed in the imminent return of Christ just like we do. They believed it then, 2,000 years ago. So, if they believed it 2,000 years ago, isn't it closer now? Sure it is. It's closer now than it was then. And he says, look, now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. By the way, 1 John chapter number 3, verses 1 through 3, it declares to us what an individual who is looking for the blessed hope, what he does. And what does he do? He purifies himself. So are we looking for the blessed hope? Do you understand that our salvation is nearer than when we believed? That the coming of the Lord is nearer than when we believed? Than when we got saved? Whenever you got saved, the coming of the Lord is nearer. And so first of all tonight, it is time for us to be awake. Awake in our understanding of the time. And the time is short. Secondly, awake to the urgency of the task. It's serious. Awake to the understanding of the time, it's short. Awake to the urgency of the task, it's serious. Let me ask you a question. Do the works of darkness mean more to us 
than our children who need someone to help them set their hope in God. You say, Pastor, I know the works of darkness are, aren't, excuse me, aren't more important than my children. Okay, if that's true, will you go home tomorrow night and turn the filthy television off and sit down and have story time with your kids? Pastor, I think you're meddling. I think we have a generation who needs to be trained and taught to set their hope in God instead of setting their hope in the filthiness of a TV screen. Pastor, you against TV? No, but I am against the filthiness that's on primetime television. I am against the filthiness that are on sitcoms and that are on many of the cartoons that we allow our children to partake of. Oh, no, Pastor, I, I, I am not for the works of darkness. We need to be honest with ourselves tonight. Do our children mean that much to us? That we'll do the hard things. That we'll take the time. That sometimes we'll make the hard decisions. Number one tonight, it is time for us to be awake, awake in our understanding of the time. It's short, awake to the urgency of the task. It's serious. Because here's the truth. In the year 2023 in America, your children, if you teach them to set their hope in God, they're the weirdos now. It's not the man dressed like a woman. He's not a weirdo anymore. They are. So are we putting enough fortitude into them to be able to stand when all the hounds of hell come against them one day? Because here's another truth. These are the leaders one day. These are the leaders one day. These young couples are the leaders. They're going to come up behind us. They're going to be the givers. They're going to be the leaders. They're, they're, they're going to be the one that help make decisions on calling a pastor, on deciding on deacons. Are they ready to do that? They need to be trained. And they need to be taught it is time for us to be awake. Awake to the understanding of the time. Awake to the urgency of the task. Number two. Not only is it time for us to be awake, but secondly, it's time for us to be authentic. You see what he says here in verse number 13? He says, let us walk what? What's the word? Honestly. Let us walk honestly. It is time for us to be authentic, genuine. Two things here. To be authentic in who we say we are and authentic in what we are supposed to do. Authentic in who we say we are and authentic in what we are supposed to do. He said, let us walk honestly as in the day. Not in... I believe there's, there's two thoughts there when it speaks of the, about day. Referring back 
12. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Look, the day's at hand. The night is far spent. We, we've, we've, we've chewed up a lot of time. The time, look, it's far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. And then in verse 13, let us walk honestly as in the day. In the day in which we live, knowing the time is short. As in the day, look at this, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envy. Authentic, he says, let us walk honestly, genuinely, being who we say we are. Authentic in who we say we are. I'm a Christian. Then we ought to live like it, right? We, we ought to be little Christ. Authentic in who we say we are. Authentic in what we are supposed to do. We're daily to be sanctified. We're to live holy lives. And he gets specific in verse number 13. Not in rioting. That word rioting, it speaks to drinking parties which last uh, most of the night. And then he says, and drunkenness, not in chambering. That's the idea of fornication, the idea of adultery, the idea of lying down and wantonness. Wantonness is unbridled lust. It is shamelessness. And then he says, not in strife, not in envying. Authentic in what we are supposed to do. And authentic in who we say we are. Do we know what time it is? First of all, it's time to be awake. Number two, it's time to be authentic. Notice the phrase that he uses in verse 11. It's not just time. It's high time. We spoke about urgency. He says, it is high time. That's the urgency of it. Listen, no longer can we say, listen, narrow living, straight living, that's good for the pastor and his family. But it's okay for me to dabble a little bit in the world. Hey, we're way past that. It's okay for the deacons to be narrow and straight and square. They're supposed to be. But it's okay if I watch this or if I listen to this or if I go here or if I have a little sip of alcohol or if I drink a beer once every now and then. It's okay for me. Why? If, if any of y'all walked into my house tonight and opened my refrigerator and you saw a six-pack, you would be shocked, wouldn't you? You should. That should be no different for me if I walk into your house and open your refrigerator. Or if I see you in a restaurant and I see the drinks that are on your table. It should be no different. Absolutely no different. We mentioned this Sunday. As our homes go, so go our churches. We need strong homes there must be generational hope. It's not just for mama and daddy. It's not just for me, but it's for my kids. It's for their kids, my grandkids, and on and on and on. Everything in the Scriptures is generational. Generational. 
I'm thankful for the men before me. I'm thankful for my granddaddy and my daddy and the pastors that my dad had me sit under because he understood whether he, whether he verbalized it consciously or unconsciously, he understood this thing is generational. It has to be passed down. And if it's not, then it dies. And I'm thankful we celebrate our 75th year this year. And God help us, if He doesn't come back, we'll celebrate 75 more in 75 years. It'll be 150 years. Amen? But it will not if we don't make this gener- excuse me, generational. If my three children don't move away from here, in 20 years, I fully expect them to be members of Maranatha Baptist Church. Now, if they move, that can't happen, can it? But if they don't, if God doesn't move them away, and it's really iffy about my daughter because you know how that works. They usually go where the husband is from. Unless you put it in the contract. But I fully expect them to be members here. And all of your children, if God doesn't move them away, I fully expect them to be members of Maranatha Baptist Church. There's no reason for them to go anywhere else. No reason. There's no reason for us to give them an open door, an inch, to be able to go somewhere else. This is where they need to be. It's generational. Why do we allow our kids to grow up and despise what we taught them and just be okay with it? We shouldn't be okay with it. That doesn't mean we don't that doesn't mean we hate them. That doesn't mean we don't have any contact with them. But it ought to mean that I sure let them know that I'm not pleased with their decisions. I should let them know that. You're not making good decisions. You're going to a church that is quasi-Christian. That is a quasi-church. Number one tonight, it is time for us to be awake. It is time for us to be authentic. And by the way, maybe that's the issue. Maybe we haven't been as authentic as we should and they're looking for something else. If that's the case, I understand that. That's why we have to be authentic. We have to be genuine in who we say we are. We have to be genuine in what we are supposed to do. Number three, and we're done tonight. Number one, it is time for us to be awake. Number two, it is time for us to be authentic. Number three tonight, it is time for us to be adorned. You notice verse number 14. He says, But put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. We need to be clothed with Christ. By the way, that happens at the moment of salvation. We're clothed with the righteousness of Christ. But every single day I ought to be clothed with Christ. I need to be consumed with Christ. I need to be consecrated to Christ. By the way, if I'll be consumed with Christ, if I'll put on the Lord Jesus Christ, look, I'll not have opportunity to make provision for the flesh. Listen, if my schedule is full for a day, I don't have time to fit somebody in. Look, if if my day is full of the Lord Jesus Christ, I don't have time to let sin 
slip in. I don't give provision for the flesh. It's time for us to be adorned with the Lord Jesus Christ, clothed with and by Christ, consumed with Christ, consecrated to Christ, completely given to Him. And make no provision for the flesh. It is time for us to be adorned. And it's time for our children and our grandchildren to be adorned. I mentioned this Sunday, look, I'm not against it. I'm not. My, my, my kids play, but they play too much. We, we let our, our children, we, we allow them to get sucked into the world. We allow them to play video games and Xbox and all these different things. We allow them to play so much that it consumes them. Well, Pastor, you want them to read the Bible all day? Well, that would be better than playing video games all day. Any of you recently tried to get a child who is unchurched to give you their attention for more than 10 seconds? It's almost impossible. For them to stand and look you in the eye and give you attention for more than 10 seconds, it's almost impossible. Why is it? Because we're so stimulated. I mentioned this in the introduction. We can't meditate anymore. Doesn't Christ tell us to meditate on His Word? Why can't we? Because we're so stimulated. By the way, I'm not saying stimulation is always a bad thing, but we're so stimulated by the world and the things of this world and, and electronics. We're stimulated by the blue light that we just can't. By the way, adults, we're just as guilty. We're just as guilty as the kids. We're stimulated by other things other than God's Word. The Apostle Paul, he tells the Romans, look, and that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. You say, well, well, you know, if something's not done at the church, the pastor will take care of it. Let me ask it this way. If everybody else in church served the way you serve, how much would get done? Pastor, you're being mean tonight. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. If everybody in the church served the way you serve, how much would get done? Well, Pastor, that's what we pay you for. You don't understand the Bible. You don't understand the wonderful opportunity God has given you to serve. It's not about being paid. 
It's about being a child of God. It's about being a servant of the Most High God. And if we don't have that attitude, we're missing the blessing that God wants to pour out upon us. You're missing it, and you're missing it for your family. You're missing it for your kids. Hey, Dad, when was the last time your kids saw you put some money in the offering plate? They need to see that. It's generational. Dad, when was the last time your kids saw you bend the knee and pray? Not at mealtimes, but just sometimes. Dad, when was the last time your children saw you sit at the dining room table or maybe sit in your easy chair and open the Word of God and read before you go to work? generational dads when was the last time your children heard you sing in the congregational singing it's generational dads when was the last time your children saw you get excited about someone coming to the Lord about someone joining the church about someone being baptized it's generational do we know what time it is It's time for us to be awake. It's time for us to be authentic. It's time for us to be adorned. That's what time it is. It's time for us to give attention to this. It's time to stop giving so much attention to the world and all of its activities. I was picking up the kids tonight and drove by the ball fields in Ripley. And the ball fields were full of kids. I'm not against ball. Y'all know that. I love sports and probably like it way too much. But I wish we had as much fervency in our, in our innermost being for the things of God that we do for sports. Nothing wrong with sports in their place. But boy, you can get folks to flock to stadiums and sit for four hours watching a football, baseball. There are many here tonight, y'all like baseball. Baseball is one of the most monotonous things to watch. Is it not? But we will do it, and you know why we will? Because we like the team. Hey, we're on a good team. We serve the God of gods, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords. The one who died to save me from my sin. I should be willing to give just as much to Him as I do to the Tennessee Volunteers or Lord help you, the Memphis Tigers. Amen, Miss Paula? Or whoever it is. Because he's preeminent, right? At least he should be. Do you know what time it is? We need to wake up, don't we? And when when I say we, I'm talking about the church as a whole. By the way, churches like ours. This techno-savvy, entertainment-driven church that our children's generations 
are being introduced to are going to kill us. Oh, but they preach Jesus. It's going to kill us. It's killing our nation, by the way. Because there's no depth to it. There's no commitment. There's no faithfulness in it. And it's killing us. Because we're not taking a stand for Christ. It's all superficial. It's all surface. But Jesus, 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 and it's all about grace, and it's all about love, and it's all about Jesus. I agree, it's, all, it's about grace and love, but it's also about holiness. And it's about justice, and it's about righteousness. God hasn't changed. Do we know what time it is? Father, thank you for the time you've given us tonight. I pray that you'd help us as a church. I'm thankful. Father, so thankful. I can preach a message like this, and in my heart it seems hard, but I know that your people want it. They're ready for it. They want to be challenged from your word. And Father, I'm thankful for that tonight. But Father, I do pray there might be a mom or a dad in here tonight who has been reminded, who has been convicted and challenged regarding Romans chapter number 13 tonight. Father, we must train the generations behind us to set their hope in you. And Father, if we're failing in that, help us to acknowledge it, help us to get it right, and help us to do better going forward. And so Lord, I pray for that tonight. Lord, if there be someone who needs to do business with you tonight, may we do it. May we get some things right with you tonight. And we'll thank you for it. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I'd ask you for you to stand. I'm going to ask Miss Pam to come to the piano tonight and give us an opportunity to do business with the Lord tonight. How is it moms and dads? How is it Sunday school teachers, master club teachers? Do we know what time it is? Are we awake? Are we authentic? Are we adorned with the Lord Jesus Christ? Have we put on the Lord Jesus Christ? If we haven't, maybe we do some business with the Lord tonight. Maybe we just confess and acknowledge some things tonight and get some things right with the Lord. And maybe we just simply say this, Lord, my children are worth it. My children are more valuable. By the way, Lord, they're not mine. They're yours. You've given them to me to steward. My children are more valuable than that whatever. Whatever you could put in the blank that consumes your time and, and your attention. You say, Lord, my kids are more valuable than that. Lord, I want to acknowledge that tonight. I want to understand, knowing the time, and Lord, I want to acknowledge that I understand what time it is tonight. It's time for me to be awake and to be authentic. To be who I say I am. To do what I'm supposed to do. It's time for me to be adorned. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and not make provision for the flesh. What about you grandparents? You might say, well I don't think my kids are doing everything they're supposed to. Are you doing everything you can? When you have opportunity. What about it, Sunday school teacher? Are you awake to the needs of your students, whether they be little ones, teenagers, adults?
and that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. We've gotten drowsy, we've gotten sleepy. We've allowed the world to lull us into it. Do you know what time it is? The Lord's coming back. We don't know when, but He's coming back. Every man that hath this hope, 1 John 3, 3 says, purifieth himself even as he is pure. for the night is coming when man's work is o'er. It'll be, it'll be done. That day is coming. We don't know when it's going to be either by death or by the rapture. Our work's going to be finished. We'll have time to rest then. Right now it's time to work. We'll be able to rest then. Now it's time to work. We have generations to train, don't we? Amen. Let's pray we'll be dismissed tonight. I hope you'll stay around and Talk to the Georges a little bit. If you've never been able to meet them, I hope you'll do so tonight. Uh, if you are working in Vacation Bible School or Teen War, we're going to have a very quick meeting in the choir room. So if you'll meet with me over there, uh, and we'll try to be as brief as we possibly can. Okay, let's pray. Be dismissed tonight. Brother Steve Fry, you dismiss us, please, sir.